Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, Richard? I'm doing swimmingly well. It's and a, you? A, a, I, I cannot tell you how well I'm doing. Uh, got a whole new computer system. I'm really enjoying it. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop when everything catches fire and stops working. But uh, we'll hope for the best. <laughs> Just one wrong plug and oof. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, Magic. We'll 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 go with uh, we'll go with optimism that that won't occur. Um, yeah, you have surge protectors and cooling systems. Right, You're good. Right. I mean, uh, plus with the new positioning, I can't wait to see if we can hear a fan. <laughs> Ooh, that's true. Extra special effects for everyone involved. Well, today's episode is. Normally something of a bit of a somber tone. We've already done one of these this year, but I thought it might be important to continue it as a tradition just because of what we do in celebrating pop culture. Uh, There are so many people that contribute to the things that touch us in one way or another, whether it be sports or whether it be television and movies, music, literature, uh, sciences, whatever. There's just a lot of people, which means that unfortunately we lose a lot of people. And it feels like 2020 has been particularly bad on that uh, on that note. The last time we went, we only went through uh, May uh, and we still didn't even really get everybody for the year. But we are going to endeavor to talk about some of the people we lost in June and July uh, from 2020. Now, uh, a, a little precursor here. Uh, The people that we are bringing up is not a comprehensive list by any stretch of the imagination. There are going to be people that are just going to be missed. And we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording in that, you know, uh, Richard's a little more of a sports guy than me. Um, And I noticed that a lot of sports people died in June and July. Uh, But neither of us were real familiar. Nope. Yeah. Didn't ring a bell. So uh, so things like that, we may end up missing a little bit. Now, in addition to that, we are commenting on their contributions, not them as people. I mean, we may comment on them as people as part of what we're doing. But as always, some people are brilliant, but awful. Some people are brilliant, but wonderful. So uh, we're just looking at, at the things that are done, taken in, in the uh, outside way of looking at it just because you know we don't know these people we just know that we've been affected by some of the things that they've done right very good so let's begin uh like i said june 2020 uh we are now into the very end of september when we're recording this uh this will come out here at the beginning of october uh one of the first things that that uh that i just was kind of uh sad to see was joey pool uh, I don't know if you're uh, a, a kind of a, a punk fan at all, Richard, but uh, a family member of mine was a big fan of the uh, band The Misfits, and uh, he was a drummer for The Misfits, man, just kind of gone. What Did you listen to anything mm. like that? Um, uh, no, I did not. <laughs> so it's And it's not, okay, uh, it's not that I don't like punk. Like, okay, country music, I don't like country music. I won't listen to that stuff. Punk, punk is fine. I just, it's not, 
it's not something I desire to listen to. Not not exactly your first uh, not your first choice. Well, um, his drumming was always really pretty. Uh, I wouldn't call it signature. It was not one of those drummers that you go, oh, I immediately know this is you know Lars Ulrich or Bonham or whatever. Uh, but he always had a great sound, and I always thought uh, he did really well. And I know uh, I know a family member would probably be a little. A uh, little sad to see him go, to to say the least. So, you know, just a legend in a very particular industry. Okay, well, let's go yeah. in, instead. I know you're a daytime soap guy, right? Well, I'll bring up one more thing about the Misfits. I think pop, people may know uh, Dan Glenn Danzig more than they right. know the Misfits potentially. Potentially. So that's where that's where he came from. So uh if you ever <laughs> if you've ever heard that song, which I want to say a lot of people have. And they would know Danzig, but he came from the Misfits. So yeah. The end. Yeah. Um, I was about to say, uh, you're a daytime soap kind of guy, so I'm sure you were crestfallen when uh, you heard that Mary Patrick Gleason was no longer with us. Now, of course. I mean, you got the feels for that one. Guiding Light, man. I mean, she was uh, she was an Emmy winner, uh, but... Uh, she actually was in quite a lot of stuff. She was, she was in a ton, ton, ton of movies. And if you just see a picture of this lady, you'll immediately know who she is. And she's kind of a really fun um, supporting actress in a lot of things that I've seen. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the movie 13 going on 30. I know it kind of is not something you would expect that is something that I would have <laughs> enjoyed, but I, I really did. And she had uh, Jennifer Garner, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. she was in that and did particularly well. She was in Lorenzo's Oil in '92. Uh, I mean, so she's she's had uh, she's had a couple good things. Uh, Troop Beverly Hills, man, that's a that's a memory kicker right there. Back from 1989. Um, if you were ever a fan of Cheers, you know, kind of a Shelley Long. Uh, sort mm-hmm. of a movie, but again, she played uh, an important bit in that. And then, you know, of course, she was on uh, a ton of television shows. She was on Blossom back in the day, and Sister Sister, and uh, just just a, I mean, just she was all over the place. She was one of those actresses that you would just see in something, a, a single episode, or a run as a secondary character or a supporting little arc. She had a great, she had a great look. She uh, kind of had excellent stage presence. I always enjoyed her stuff. Oh yeah. I know. I, I wouldn't recognize her from guiding light. My only story pertaining to that is, uh, we went through a lot of, not a lot, but, uh, we, we heavily used VCRs a lot, uh, because every day my mom would record guiding light. Um, I think days of our lives, a couple of those, uh, set the timer on the recorder on the VCR and it would record those two hours. And then after work, uh, shoot it and hang out and watch those. So and it was like, that was the habit every day. So we had to have the tapes, they had to have the VCR going. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, we didn't have a DVR. That wasn't a thing. Then it was a VCR exciting stuff. VHS. Uh, those are the days. Uh, I, I always get kind of just this, this warm feeling thinking about, uh, 
uh, the tapes and the point at which the VCR would try and eat them and you would stop it just in time. And then that delicate surgery of pulling it out of the machine so that it wouldn't chew the tape and then trying to reel it back in, making sure it was straight. And Actually, I don't miss that. I don't know what I was saying there. That, that was awful. <laughs> it was nostalgia. Just nostalgia. That's yeah. all. You um, miss it for like five seconds until you realize you don't. Yeah, yeah. I was always the person that they went to take the tapes apart and re-reel everything, and that was kind of my job. Um, there's a lot that goes into that sort of a thing. I mean, it, production uh, and support is an important role. Uh, Segway, uh, Rupert Neville Hine, uh, producer, songwriter uh, from England, and he produced so many good artists. I mean, you got... Rush and Tina Turner and Stevie Nicks. Um, just, I mean, I know Saga isn't maybe somebody that everybody knows, but I always enjoyed their stuff. But the Fix and the Thompson Twins, man, I mean, this guy was kind of a huge part of that 80s, late 70s, 80s sound. And uh, to have a hand in, in all of that was just crazy. Busy, busy, busy. Uh, but he did some stuff for some movies, too. Oh, yeah. Well, Better Off Dead, was he involved with that? I'm pretty sure he was. Uh, well, one, of your, uh, one of your favorite movies. Has yeah. a five in it. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to go, because I, I did... Uh... The Fifth Element. Oh, right! He was involved with that. How did I forget that? Good Lord. Just, just so much, so much stuff. I mean, just crazy. This guy was always working on something. I mean, Jesus, uh, another legend, just kind of gone. Um, now we're not going to really delve into this one too much, but I thought it was important to note. Uh, less of an entertainment thing, uh, more just an important person kind of a thing. Uh, Deborah Washington Brown, um, a computer scientist. Speech recognition was her thing. So she was one of the first ones to really do that. And not just that, was the uh, first recorded black woman with a doctorate in computer science, which was a huge milestone. I mean, this, this, this woman was brilliant. And if you have a cell phone or a computer, uh, her work is affecting you right now, which was really cool to kind of have that kind of lasting impact. Um, Planted the seeds and watch them grow. Yeah. Watch us yell <laughs> yell at our equipment. No. Yeah. North. North. <laughs> Did you say Norbit? I will play Norbit. Um, so. Okay, Google. <laughs> don't, don't say that. Now when people are listening, their stuff's going to get yeah. switched on. Um, were you a fan of uh, Motown stuff? Were you a Pointer Sisters fan? So here's how I can relate to that. Uh, one of looking back on it as a younger kid, certain things that we did seemed bothersome or seemed annoying at the time. But now looking back on it, it was a good time to spend a good way to spend time together as a family unit. And one of the things that we would do, we where we lived at, we didn't have, we had a grocery store, right? But it was a small town. 
So if we wanted to go to where things were at, we had to drive uh, about an hour, not that far away, to get to a bigger town where there were grocery stores, uh, more shopping malls or whatever. So we would take a lot of Saturdays and we would drive up to um, South Bend and we'd get groceries. Uh, I'd hang out in, uh, in Martin's over at the magazine aisle where they had all of the uh, like wizard I'd right. sit there. I'd look at I'd look at Wizard to see the value of my comic books. I'd look at Beckett's to see the value of some of my uh, cards, my like baseball cards, and uh, I would read some like guitar magazines. And my parents would walk around and shop for groceries. Here's where this long-winded nonsense story comes in. On the way back home, it, Super Gold would be on. Oh, nice. So super gold, super, like, obviously back then it was all just radio stations, right? And our selection of radio stations, in my opinion, was just amazingly awful. But at this time on this station, there was always super gold. So I got to listen to super gold for that hour drive on the way back home. So there was plenty of Motown that got played in the super gold, amongst other types of music as well. So sure. it, that's, and, and I was younger at the time, and I really appreciated that type of music. So, uh, Pointer Sisters in like specifics, maybe not so much, but Motown, yes. Well, I mean, Patricia Pointer, one of the Pointer Sisters, had you know had a great sound. I mean, the whole group obviously was uh, pioneering in 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 the way that they the way that they presented their music. It was just. It was light and it was airy and it was fun. And when they wanted to make you feel, they could make you feel. And it was just kind of, it was just kind of nice. And I always enjoyed it. And that's, it's just kind of sad again to see that, uh, you know, just this part of this epic group is just gone. But she, she's going to be around forever because of that music. And, you know, the, in terms of the, let's say the, the super gold, a lot of times the super gold that I would listen to would be the older type of Motown, right? Right. And the Pointer Sisters were more 70s, 80s. I guess at this point, that's kind of, that's, that's older Motown, but I'm talking like, you know, 50s, 60s, uh, maybe some 70s. In there well, too, Pointer but, Sisters uh, were 73 when they started. Yeah. So, the, I think the hits that people might recognize now were more or later. Maybe, you know, actually, I take that back. It was 71. Yeah, 71. Yeah. Sorry. So, like, um, yeah, like, I'm I'm so excited and I just can't. So, like, that one was, I want to say, was it the 80s? Was that one? But Jump uh, for My Love, that one was the 70s. Um I'm trying to think here. The, the Neutron Dance, right? If you're going to watch that, them, a, uh, I don't remember if that was them or not, but if you're going to watch uh, Beverly Hills Cop, you're going to listen to some some Pointer Sisters in the that's process. That's true. Yep. Yeah. So they, they have a lot of good songs. And if people listening, I don't know what exactly the age group, it's probably our age group that listens to our podcast. They'll recognize a lot of those songs for sure. Yeah. Um, now, this is more in my wheelhouse than maybe some of uh, the stuff that you may be aware of. But uh, Dennis Joseph O'Neill is a comic book writer and editor that just worked all over the place. He worked for Marvel. He worked for DC. 
he worked on Green Lantern and The Shadow, and I'm pretty sure he did a run on The Avengers at some point. Um, but, I mean, he, he was just kind of all over the place. Uh, no, it was Amazing Spider-Man. He was on Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, but he, again, just had uh, this, this huge run over all these big titles and a lot of great stories, and he worked uh, with, with, uh, with a lot of really... Um, really kind of big, maybe bigger names. You may not think of Dennis O'Neill uh, as, as, as one of those things that jumps out at you like a Stan Lee, but he had a huge, um, huge hand in a lot of stories that I really enjoyed. So he also passed away in June. But uh, how about this? Um, uh, let's see. I know, I know. We will go to... Um, Charles Webb. Yes, we will. Charles Webb. Um, uh, he was related to Charlotte. <laughs> Novelist. Hey, have you ever seen the movie The Graduate? Yeah, long ago. Okay. Long ago. Yeah, that's. I'm that, familiar with it. Yes, you're familiar with. It. That's the point. He he wrote the book. So he. And it's not the only book he wrote, but uh, that's probably the biggest wrote uh, biggest book by far that he did but uh uh, he had some other ones um trying to think here um i don't recognize any of the other names i don't think i read any of the other stuff the i read that book only because i had seen the movie and went back it's like oh it's another of those that's based on a novel i wonder how far off it it traveled um and but yeah the book was uh pretty interesting i always i always thought it was uh one of those cool things um Okay, well, how about this? How about this instead? We'll go with uh, Mel Winkler. Are you familiar with this nice gentleman? An actor. Uh, Henry's brother. <laughs> He's trying. He's trying here. Okay, this is another small one. We're not going to land on this for a real long time, but I bet that he had a bigger impact on you maybe than you would expect. Now, I know you said when we talked about video game systems that you had not uh, – you had the Sega, right? The was it the, the Dreamcast or no? You had. Oh, I, I still have the Genesis. Genesis. You had the Genesis. Um, well, right after that, when they started getting into the, the PlayStation and SNES and all that sort of stuff, did you ever play Crash Bandicoot? Uh, actually, no. What? It's not that I'm not familiar with the game and I don't know the game. Uh, I never owned the game. So I would have to play it on other people's consoles. Yeah. Uh, but I am familiar with that game. Yes. So, I mean, this is the, the thing that probably hit me the most. He is, you know, the Bandicoot goes around with a little floating mask. That mask is mm-hmm. Aku Aku. And he did the voice for Aku Aku. So, whoo You know, just kind of that thing that will forever stay with me just because of mm-hmm. the, the, the sounds. And he had that kind of that awesome deep voice that could go with things. He was, he was not a real big name in terms of acting. You could see him in some stuff. He had some Star Trek stuff that he did and some other things, but um, how about this? I, okay. I know for sure that, that this one will hit Ian Holm. Mm, Yes. Um, Ian Holm did a lot of things, right? He was in a, I would say the, the the things that people would recognize him from would be, of course, the Lord of the Rings movies, yeah, um, which could have been better, but you know, 
They were awesome. And Elijah Wood, I tell Hold you. Hold your tongue. Um, but I think one of the first things, it, now, now trust me, when I saw this movie, he had done so many more things. But my first real introduction, I think, was the movie From Hell, uh, where you know, that, that's got Johnny Depp in it and uh, somebody else. Anyway, um, a very good period piece, I thought, at the time. I thought you were going to go with Alien. Uh, but see, okay, here's the challenge with that. I love the Alien movies, but I didn't recognize him because he looks so different, right? Yeah. And I, yes, I saw him in that movie, but I didn't recognize him as Ian Holm. Right. Because Ian Holm had been in so many other things before that, too, right? Like, he's a popular i mean gosh he's been he's a stage actor with just tons of experience like that that character and of course that was in 79 right something like that something like that and i I, it's more all the other characters subsequent to that you would reckon like tom scarrett uh uh, sigourney weaver you would recognize all those actors in other things that you saw because they were in more of those American popular movies, but not maybe maybe not the ones that I saw, not Ian Holm. And then when I saw From Hell, I was like, this is great. This is awesome. And it's not like at the time I had the resources where I could just go to IMDb and look at whatever I wanted to, but you could still dig around a little bit. Yeah. And you're like alien and then you 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 try to think about oh my gosh that was him but that was that was 20 years ago he was 30 a lot, years ago a lot younger looked a little different yeah so well, um, he was in fifth element too the uh like the priest he was, he was the priest person priest character. Vitor Cornelius. <laughs> just a lot of great movies yeah he was and, and and honestly, the the Lord of the Rings movies to me don't have the same flair and impact that some of the other movies that he's been in. And then it, maybe that's just that's just well, that's 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 a personal taste thing. You're always going to run into people that it, it just doesn't it doesn't hit the same way. I mean, uh, okay. Well, how about this? If he wasn't necessarily close to your heart in terms of American product and everything, how about a director? that is responsible for maybe the worst Batman of all time. Joel Schumacher. Ah, uh, yes, Batman. Was that the one with, uh, was that the Mr. Freeze one? To my memory, that was the Bat Nipples. Yes. So, okay. Yeah. Those series of Batman movies had such a good precedent with, and we've already, we've actually discussed a lot of these already, the oh, previous yeah. ones. Oh, yeah. Um, so we can only repeat the same things so many times, right? No, that's but not that true. one was just, <laughs> it, it was just so bad. There's so many, there's so many ways that you could say that that movie was bad. And the fact that they got such a ridiculous cast to, 
to really just bottom out on that movie. Yeah. It's, it's sad because he's good. No, no, it's not his fault. He has he has so many good things. I mean, right after that, he did 8mm, which is so dark and and really, really good. Um, St. Elmo's Fire was his. The Lost Boys was his. And The Lost Boys is uh, classic, man. A little Falling Down. Got some Kirk Douglas in there. Flatliners. You know, but, uh, flatliners. Pets. <laughs> that movie... That movie's got some just funny lines in it, right? You know, it's third, a little third, cheesy. Third base, yeah, yeah. It's all star cast. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But he did just, a Bond film too. I mean, so he's done a lot of stuff, and I feel like when people say when people hear that name they recognize the name mm-hmm. they may not recognize all the movies but they know he he was a director i think so um <sighs> i enjoyed his work we we would not have been where we are now without some of his stuff he's he's been uh he's had some he's had some great stuff uh i would never have predicted it from his second movie the car wash in 76 it's like oh this guy is going to be a big budget action director (laughs) okay (laughs) oh man but uh well how about this how about back into the land of comic books since we've got that one that ties right into it uh joe sinnott uh american comic book artist he worked on mostly marvel stuff uh, Avengers, Defenders, Thor uh, had a real um, had a real unique style. Um, I, I think it had um, I think it had kind of this. I mean, when you say like the name Kirby, you think of a very specific artistic style, and uh, he worked with him. I know, and so it's kind of his art style to a certain extent that you think of on a lot of these classic comics. I mean, it's just, it's really, it's unique. I, I don't I don't have any other way to describe it. I don't know if you read any of the older stuff from that, from the sixties, man. No, when you say just Kirby, uh, I think of the ghost from the Mario. Bros. Oh. <laughs> no, Jack, no, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah Jack Kirby. My apologies. Jack, I, I yeah, should have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, I knew exactly who you were talking about, but it's just the first thing when I hear Kirby, for some reason, it's the ghost. That's the, the most ridiculous thing ever. Well, but And the thing is, and the reason I say this is, you know, the bones. The bones is the pencils, the pencil work. That's what kind of gives the basics. But the inker, no matter what, penciler you've got the inker is going to take that structure and turn it into something else depending upon how they how they put in that shading and that's why a lot of a lot of that stuff had such a signature look was because of his his work on that it was just kind of man good stuff good stuff um okay um i did Whoa, I should not be pulling out my headphones. That would be a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. One small thing. Uh, uh, did you ever watch Nomeo and Juliet? I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Film director. Nomeo. 
film director Kelly Asbury did that one. Shrek Two, he also did. Uh, I'm real not. I'm not real familiar with most of his work. I, I, I just noticed that that was one of those things that uh, that he was involved with, and partly because he's an artist, not just a director. But so he worked on the original Shrek Two, Shrek, the original Shrek as an artist. Um, but, uh, you know, the Beauty and the Beast in 91, and he was an artist on Toy Story and Kung Fu Panda and just, you know, just all sorts of these, these big animated projects that, that we've, I know, at least I've enjoyed over the years. It's kind of crazy. Well, and, you know, the artist, the, the artistry in a certain sense from those movies, uh, especially in the Shrek ones, you know, in Beauty and the Beast, it was that you were doing a lot of the hand stuff, right? The hand cells, uh, frame by frame, that type of stuff. And it, it was evolving. And then you get to Shrek and Shrek was evolving into more of the digital type of stuff. So yeah. uh, to be able to span those two different types of medium and still deliver something that's just awesome, uh, I think yeah. speaks to the talent level. Definitely. And he got to, he got to work with, um, because of that, because of a stint where he was with uh, The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, and he got to work with some of the, just the greatest kind of writing talent that Disney had at that point that they brought in this this kind of uh, um, um, theater influence that just kind of made it awesome. Um, there's a documentary out there to watch if you know what I'm talking about, and it's just kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, just one of those things, another, another kind of contributor to, to just these joyous little bits and pieces that we've had. Um, Stuart Kornfeld, uh, was a producer and actor that, uh, worked on stuff like The Fly, uh, Dodgeball, True Underdog Story, uh, Zoolander, Blades of Glory, Tropic Thunder, uh, Megamind. I mean, he produced so all the classics. He produced some really good stuff. Just if you wanted to laugh, he kind of had a kind of had a hand in that. Um, Tropic Thunder, a movie that could never be made today. Yeah, that movie was so good, though. Um, we got uh, uh, Milton Glaser, graphic designer, uh, worked on logos for DC and uh, worked on uh, Bob Dylan posters and. Uh, just, uh, he co-founded the New York magazine. So kind of another icon in that industry. We won't land on that for real long either. Just like James Holloway, uh, artist for Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, we were lucky enough. If you look behind, if you're good, uh, able to look at our video, look behind Richard here, another major artist for the original Dungeons and Dragons did that work for us. And he's fantastic, but this is another of those, artists that did the the work on the inside uh on the inside uh of the books it was just kind of it was just another kind of cool thing um you got uh dan hicks who was in evil dead 2 dark man basically anything Raimi would do he would stick him in somewhere which is always kind of a cool thing uh if you're a fan of uh the uh if you're a fan of those kinds of movies now he's not he's not a big name i mean like his his roles are like guy on train dirt farmer 
I mean, it's just not, it's not, not, Perfect. not huge things, but it's kind of neat to have one of those guys that's in everything that you do. But yep. the, the last big one from June, at least for me, was uh, Carl Reiner, man. Yes, Carl Reiner, a, uh, a legend in many aspects. Yeah, he actually. was all over the place. I mean, his his son may be more familiar to a lot of people, uh, Rob Reiner, but Rob. Um, but I mean, if you want to, one of my father's favorite movies of all time is a movie called "It's a Mad, 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 Mad World," and uh, Carl Reiner was one of the people involved with that uh, particular film. I mean, it, basically anybody that was anybody that was a comedian at the time was in that movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he was, uh, in the jerk with Steve Martin. Um, Mm -hmm. he was just, I mean, I, I can't even really list the number of things that he was in. Um, and it sounds weird, but maybe the thing that stuck with me the most was the, uh, remake of Ocean's Eleven and the ones after that. His part in that film series was so good, and he just kind of, he just nailed it. He had this this timing that so few people have. And I think in terms of familiarity, in, ter- in terms of what folks nowadays would recognize him from, maybe, maybe people our age, right, would be those movies um, as the, the Saul character that was in all those yeah and it's just and it's and it's definitely it's sad but uh at the same time he had just a heck of a career um the number of things that he did and the people that he influenced and that's the other big thing a lot of times when you are um when you're in the industry for a certain amount of time your your efforts are going to rub off on other people and uh, I know a lot of people ha- were, were touched by his, his work and his behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, we actually we talked to, um, uh, to somebody just recently that was involved with uh, one of his projects. Uh, I don't know if you remember, I talked about summer school uh, with Amy. Um, he was the director of that. Oh, yes. The, she was, I think she was talking to him. She was pretty excited slash nervous. Right. Because she was, it was one of his, uh, one of her favorites from, oh, uh, the, was it the Dick Van Dyke show? Was that what it what she yeah. was? Talking? I can't remember. I mean, so, I mean, that, uh, and he was just kind of, and what he, when he directed, he directed like all over the place. He'd do something like that and like The Jerk or Oh God. But then he'd do like Fatal Instinct. <laughs> so in a completely different direction. So he could kind of do whatever he needed or wanted to do. Yeah. So he was, I mean, he was 98. So he, he's been around for a while, still working, you know? Yeah. That's, that's just kind of amazing. So sometimes you're just lucky enough that those people with that skill, uh, are able to be around long enough to just leave this legacy of awesome stuff. And that's what we're trying to do. And you can help support us by just visiting our Patreon page, where for a dollar a month, you can help support the Pudding Guys as we bring out new content 
get new equipment like this to sound better, to look better, to do better. Uh, we appreciate all the people that support us, helps us do what we do. Um, but also you can see us on social media where this guy here can show you all of the, the cool stuff to eat and the, the grass to mow on Instagram <laughs> at Pudding Guys. Uh, well, that's also where we are occasionally on Facebook. Uh, if I decide to dip my toe into the, the noxious noise that is Facebook, uh, we are also on Twitter at Real Pudding Guys, where we will tell you every Monday what's coming up on Friday and tell you on Friday that it is still that thing probably <laughs> until it goes to Monday. Uh, I mean, 80% of the time, it's right 100% of the time. That's so. right. That's right. It's, it's like Panther. So we got through June. That was June. 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 And we definitely skipped over tons of probably people. a lot of people. Oh yeah, easily. Easily. Uh, I just that, those are the ones that I just picked out that hit me and that I thought I had maybe at least a little something to say about, but there are other people's like, "Oh yeah, that person." And that that seems important. There's just I mean, we're we're skipping over whole swaths of science and definitely politics i'll never talk about politics unless i absolutely have to the uh, only uh, sports person i think that we had discussed that was a june that we recognized was wes unseld yeah um, and he was a good player he was a uh, executive as well after his playing days and a lot of folks would know know him by name and know him by it, him being an executive over most of the other folks that were in the on the June list, so we I'll just throw that throw out that mention real quick too. So we're going to try and pick up the pace because we have about as many people in July <laughs> as we do in June. So uh, if I were to talk to you like this, would you recognize who I was impersonating? Um, have you ever listened to Hugh Downs? Do. <laughs> Yes. Commentary on anything. Uh, back when news was news. Back when news was news. And uh, he was he was a big voice and a big name. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of the stuff uh, at the time just because the things that he was um, voicing just eh, not, not something I was uh, terribly interested in at the time. But, man, he was all over the place. Um, we won't spend too much time on that, though. But a big name. Uh, 2020. I mean, if you're familiar with that, then you got to know this guy. Yes. And he did, I mean, he did other things too, but obviously you're going to know him from, uh, those types of interviews and those types of quote news things. Yeah. Um, there's a guy named, uh, I'm, I'm no, I'm just going to absolutely murder this, but, uh, Tilo, Pruckner, I believe, um, actor that is just in just tons and tons and tons of stuff, like over a hundred different uh, productions. And if you see this guy's face, you might recognize some of the things that he did. But for for me, for the time frame when I was growing up, one of my favorite movies as a kid was The NeverEnding Story. And he was the bookstore owner in that movie. Uh, Night Hob. Yeah, a lot of this, a lot of stuff yeah, he did was in English. Yeah, he, he was in a ton of stuff, but uh, still pretty, pretty cool. 
to kind of kind of see him do something well to cross over because a lot of times we don't get we'll get people from England that will recognize but Italian French actors uh, actors from India we may not just know these people quite so well so when we have somebody as big there to come in here and do something neat that's just kind of a it is a treat to to have that sort of a thing um, uh, from Ger- Germany yeah so he was all he was all over the place another kind of small thing were you a fan of the the uh, film meet Joe Black are you a, a Brad Pitt kind of guy uh, I I don't know that I've ever seen that movie yeah so I, I'm gonna go with no uh, <sighs> now not that I'm not a Brad Pitt fan but I'm not a Brad Pitt detractor how about how about Tootsie did you see Tootsie uh, Dustin Hoffman? Yes. Like the 70s or 80s? <laughs> I, I, okay. I've, I've probably seen it once, honestly, uh, but long ago. That, long t- ago. that tells me we're going to basically skip over this guy. Uh, Ronald Schwery was a producer and an actor and a director, and he was. A, those are two of his big things that he was involved with. Next. <laughs> the, they, they were important to me. I mean, I remember watching Tootsie when I was a kid and going, what is this? This is weird. And then going back yeah. to it, it's like, Where's... oh, it's not that weird. It's Dustin Hoffman. But, okay, so if that's not going to produce uh, uh, something that is really well-known, potentially, how about uh, maybe one of your favorite musicians? Um, Ooh, yes, please. Uh, how about this? Uh, I know you're a big fan of heavy music, and there's nothing heavier than, you know, the devil, the devil. The devil went down to Georgia. Uh, Charlie Daniels. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a key song. He spawned uh, a lot of songs that a lot of people loved, enjoyed, oh, yeah. um, listened to. So, um, he, super popular. Uh, you know, if I if I'm going to do okay, so I said uh, country music, and I won't listen to country music now. If you give me country music from like the real old timey twangy, you know, fifties and sixties, I'm okay with that. You know, you start getting into some of the newer stuff, um, <laughs> anything from the eighties, eighties and nineties and beyond is just pretty awful. Like it. Ear splody, awful, but some of that yeah. old, old stuff I can deal with. That that's okay. He kind of went around. I mean, sometimes he was, um, sometimes he was more country. Sometimes he was more bluegrass. Sometimes he's kind of country rock. He still was pretty heavily rooted in just like straight up uh, southern bar country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you watch the old uh, Blues Brothers movie where they. They're they're sneaking in to try and play a gig, and what kind of music you play here? We play both kinds, country and western. It's that kind of they expect it there kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, he, he had a, he had a huge impact on a ton of people. Um, but um, so all right, so we'll just mention mention this one uh, gentleman by the name of Ennio Morricone. Um, a composer, a conductor that did uh, maybe one of the most iconic bits of music that will follow people forever. 
And that's, uh, you remember the scene in A Fistful of Dollars? Um, or not Fistful of Dollars, sorry. I had a brain spasm for a minute. Uh, the Good, Bad, and the Ugly, the showdown. But the, the, the one at the end? Yeah, the one at the end. Or, yeah. You know, that music right there? Yeah, okay, yep. That's yep. him. That's him. And, man, I mean, he, he was just... He was over. He did a bunch of stuff. I said fistful of dollars because he did that too. But he did uh, the professional, the thing, um, Untouchables, uh, the second Exorcist movie. I mean, he he had some really big scores that he that he put together, and it was just some stuff again that that's still used today. The second Exorcist. Now we're talking. Yeah, that little maybe maybe not as big of a <laughs> impact as the first one, but he still did it, and it was a big thing. No, I know. Yeah, but, I'm just thinking in my mind of some of the parodies that for The Exorcist that kind of went in later on. Yeah, because the first one was so good, there's no way you could replicate success after the no. watch the first one. So. No, no, not really. Um, now, I don't keep up with a lot of the modern, current-day stuff as much as I would like to. So a lot of times, I know when we originally talked about uh, when we originally talked about the Spider-Man movies, and I had no idea about the actress that played Mary Jane in that. It was actually a big thing at the time because I'm slightly out of touch with things. Um, in a similar in a similar way, are you familiar with uh, Naya Marie Rivera? Wait, wait, are you talking about uh, from Glee? Yes. Uh, familiar with? Yes. Um, did I ever watch Glee? From what she's more known from? No. Not really. Yeah, she was. Uh, she she was on a quite a few things. I mean, Glee's maybe what she is known for the most. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, she died very young, just this year in July, um, boating accident, if I remember correctly. And I yep. that was the thing that really kind of stuck with me is not that she died young because unfortunately that happens all the time. And again, I'm not as familiar with her work, but. I think, if I remember correctly, she died saving her child in the process. That's what I'm to understand, yes. And that, I mean, if you're going to go young, uh, you never want it to happen. But, man, uh, that is that is a way, that is a good way to do it. I mean, kind of. Uh, saving, the, saving the kiddo, yeah. Yeah, ultimate sacrifice. Um, okay. Uh, how about this? Um, Kelly Preston, man. We lost her in July. Yes. Um, Kelly Preston did a lot of things. Uh, was uh, also married to John Travolta. Yes. Yes, she was. They had uh, at least a, they had a son. I don't know. I guess I can't remember if they had any more kids than that. So um, she was well known in the industry. And two sons and a daughter, uh, two sons and a daughter. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, she, she was pretty young. I mean, well, she was pretty young too, you know, relative to, you know, some of these other folks that we've talked about. 
Well, and, and she had some good stuff, but she also had a lot of uh, tragedy in her life, too, because uh, their son, Jet, died um, from pretty nasty disease uh, very young. Um, but I, I, it's just kind of she, one of those she, things. Go ahead. She was in. She was in one of the best movies from the year 2000 or from the 2000s in general. Um, if you say Battlefield Earth, I will reach through the microphone and strangle you. That thing was just trash. I mean, she did a lot of great stuff. That was not one of those great things. Good I, Lord. I mean, I only saw that one like three times in the movie theater. So I, I, I could have seen it more. Now, she did good stuff. She was uh, in Sky High, and she was great in Sky High. Yes. Yep. That, I mean, that movie's... That movie's pretty underrated, oh, I feel yeah. like, or maybe maybe it's not. But uh, that movie's that, that's a fun movie. Great and cast in that. One. She had a great part in Jerry Maguire. I mean, that's kind of going to live forever. She, I think she was like the mom and cat in the hat as well. Maybe yep. not the most amazing movie of all time, but fun. Um, so I mean, it's it's she had she had she made her mark in in a lot of good ways. Um, now being a fan of science. Uh, and especially science in ways that is silly and sometimes destructive and just uh, fun. The one one that we lost in July that really kind of hurt was uh, Grant Ibahara. Mm, yes. Uh-huh. Um, I watched Mythbusters every episode, several of them more than once. Um, and, I mean, the... The, the core cast, I mean, he when they brought him uh, in along with a couple of other people, it rounded things out. It just made it so interesting. He was so likable and, and just had this joy for science and engineering. And I, that just it just made me made me so sad. I think one of the things that was great about that show, uh, of course, is the the two hosts of course had the rapport they had the experience in hollywood they were smart um apparently won't work together anymore that what i understood but anyway the original two yeah they didn't like each other very much at the time when cable was still cable was big but limited right like right now, you can get thirty thousand different streaming services and channels and all this type of stuff, yeah. and find science. And you can go to YouTube and get all this. Stuff. But at the time when this thing really hit its stride, you didn't have that dearth of stuff that was no. just so out there to watch. And this really filled a really good uh, void of fun science learning, yeah. uh, lightheartedness. It was a great show to watch for many, many seasons. And although sometimes at watching it, you're like, I don't agree with how they're testing this or why they're testing this. Right. But the fact that they actually tested it was great in its own, in its, in its, for its own merits. Right. Well, and it was like a next step for a lot of people that grew up with like Bill Nye. Uh, that's, that's your starter. And then you can kind of continue on with something like a Mythbusters to, to, to just fuel that interest in science and, and, uh, and the way to it, the way it can apply to pretty much anything. Um, 
And, I mean, he worked on some big stuff, too. He worked on Star Wars and Jurassic Park and The Matrix and Terminator. I just, I mean, he's he was all over the place. Uh, big, just, I mean, when it came to robots, he was the robot guy. And just, yeah. that that made me sad. Um, Phyllis Somerville lost her in July. Uh actress uh she's uh theater and uh television and movies um i don't know if you watched a lot of the stuff that she would have been in <laughs> but uh she's she's had a couple of really interesting uh things that she's been in do you remember the old uh movie arthur uh drunk rich guy mm-hmm uh, she had a small part in that. That was the first kind of film that she was in. But uh, Swim Fan in 2002, she had a part in. Um, Stoker in 2013. Um, and she just had, she had maybe her biggest roles were going to be something like The Big C um, in 2010. I don't know if you're familiar with that particular show she's also had a big run on uh outsiders uh not too long ago really um but yeah uh, i'm less familiar with a lot of her work but uh, uh she obviously was respected and, and had a good a good group of people that recognized her talent she's even in an episode of the Chappelle show mm, fun yeah so i always picked up a lot of uh people that you recognize later on or recognize at the time they had a pretty pretty great uh guest appearances on that show oh yeah no doubt about it um if you're a rock and roll fan um uh, peter green the singer songwriter guitarist um if i mean there's there's just no no way to kind of talk about fleetwood mac without talking about him um, but he, he just, um, again, just somebody that he's part of music that I'll listen to forever that we're still listening to. I mean, stuff that was released like in the seventies. I mean, the mo uh, guardians of the galaxy, that, that soundtrack, there you go. He's on it, even though it's, uh, something that's, that's not quite so new anymore, but he had, he had a, an amazing sound. All right. So, do you hear me? I'm still here. Oh, okay. Right. I, I thought I lost audio for a minute. So, uh, at the 56-minute mark, <laughs> we may have just a little snippet. Remember all these. Uh, okay, so we're going to go fast. Uh, John Saxon, uh, big fan of this guy. He, as a kid, I was just the uh, the biggest Bruce Lee fan. Uh, watched all the movies yeah. mm -hmm. and he was in enter the dragon and he clearly i mean he uh, bruce lee taught him and he was in just a ton of stuff he you can't a nightmare on elm street i mean if you're a horror fan you cannot you cannot not recognize that kind of that face he's individual yeah so we'll just go over that quick um Bill English, uh, this is just uh, something that people may not realize. Uh, computer engineer. Oh, you know this one? No, uh, I know the name Bill, and I know how to speak English. Uh, <laughs> that's about as far as it goes. You use 
part of his work every day, just about. He was a co-inventor of the computer mouse. I see. Um, uh, Malik B. from The Roots uh, died in July. Another just fantastic group, and he was part of somebody that made some just amazing music. Uh, Alan Parker, uh, he is a... He's been a part of so many good movies over the years, um, but uh, maybe the thing that uh, a lot of people would recognize him for is like Evita. Uh, for me, uh, I know your favorite is probably uh, going to be The Road to Wellville because it has our favorite actor in it. Uh, <laughs> uh I, I have seen bits and pieces of that movie, and I always, for some reason, I can't figure it out. Away, yeah. Get turned off when watching that movie. I, I, don't know. I don't know why. But he did Mississippi Burning, which was huge, and Angel Heart, which was just kind of a fun classic. Uh, Midnight Express. Uh, I mean, just this this guy had some just massive hits. But we'll we'll end with a name that everybody should know. Last one from July 2020, uh, Regis Philbin. The Reach. Yeah, if you if you um, don't know who that is. So, I guess where I'm from growing up, um, South Bend was the closest, quote, big town city, I guess you could say. And of course, South Bend is where Notre Dame is from. So any newspaper, any TV is just Notre Dame blood. I'm Notre Dame blood. I'm Notre Dame blood. blah, blah, blah. So right, I, right. I just got inundated with Notre Dame nonsense that, honestly, we could all care less about. That's what's going to happen to the Supreme Court soon. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, yeah. You, you want to get into some law practices <laughs> from the University of Notre Dame? Um yeah, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah, that's a different. But uh, I know that was the old the old Reach talked about um, Notre Dame quite a bit, and was obviously a real big uh, Notre Dame homer. So uh, I was familiar with him uh, obviously from his his show, but I got a little bit more of the press time. Let's call it simply because of his interaction with the with the old university yeah that makes sense well i mean and who wants to be a millionaire for me uh was as as more current uh game shows go it was it was kind of neat it was a slightly different feel and i love trivia and, and it it got old pretty quick unfortunately for me i mean after about a single season it's like yeah i don't need to ever watch this again but um He's just—he was just so friendly in the way that he presented himself. It was hard not to like him. That—that that show was hot for a, a good year or two, I want to say. And it, you can still watch it. There's—I don't remember who the host is now. Uh, it was—wasn't um, it? It was somebody from a different morning talk show. She took over. And has been doing it for quite some time. Yeah, I know uh, who you're talking. But about. it's still—it's still going. It's yeah. still on. Um, he was also involved in the first season of America's Got Talent. Oh yeah, yeah. A that, show I don't watch and will never watch. Yeah, I watched it at first. Um, and we'll get into it some other time why I stopped watching it. But uh, yeah, I mean, just the guy. Um, 
the guy was all over the place. Started as a page for the Tonight Show, man, and just um, just never left. And glad he didn't. Um, he was always a good. Uh, if someone was going to do an impression of of a celebrity, he was always a, a popular one to do because of his. I can't do a good like because of his expressions. Yeah, and like how he would elevate the voice and come to these real quick stops on things. Yeah. So he, he was, I think a lot of people know the Reach and know who he is and know what he's about and know that he was a pretty excitable guy. Yeah, yeah, he was. Did we miss anybody, though? We would love to get your input. Let us know on any of our social media, uh, and uh, we will pick back up at some point with uh, August and September. Uh, we might get to that later, a little later this year. I think, I think we do have one. Um, maybe not a pop, pop culture, quote, celebrity, mm-hmm. but uh, John Lewis died in July. Oh, he did, didn't he? So, uh, I, because of my extreme ignorance, didn't know. I knew he was uh, a representative. We don't get into politics, but no. he was imp- pretty important to uh, America, um, culture in America, um, African-American culture in America, an important figurehead, an important leader in the community. So we definitely have to um, mention him because he was a he was an important and and I, I'm I'm glad in a sense that we got to get more information about him because I only knew him as what a senator or a representative whichever whichever uh, house he was in uh, like I should show you all the details that I know but uh, no I didn't know of his of his history in you know the civil rights movements and stuff yeah like he was that, a too, US so. representative yeah, so uh, a very important uh, person that passed away. I can't believe I, I missed that one. I, I was even thinking about that back on the previous list that I was like, because uh, it had just, um, it had just kind of happened, I think, or or maybe it wasn't for that. I know when it happened, I go, I gotta get, I gotta get this one on here because he was he was so influential in so many different ways. And, yep, and just seemed genuinely. Maybe that's what it was. He seemed to genuinely care. You don't get that from a lot of representatives anymore. No. Uh, not only care about his constituents, uh, but care about the country as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, you're right. You don't get a lot of that. Um, if you, you get a lot of folks who care about half their constituents, not the rest of the country, but he seemed generally in, interested in... Um, making everybody uh, better. Yeah. And the way he could do that was by being in politics and representing him and his um, uh, his constituents. Yeah, so. definitely so. Well, it's clear that we can miss things, but like I was saying, if we missed anything else, you should definitely let us know on, on social media. Give us, a, give us a shout. Find out somebody that we should have talked about. We'll put them in the, the next episode and, and talk about them at that point. But uh, until then, just remember the wonderful things that these people have given us and uh, just appreciate it and take it with you and tell the stories and uh, keep them alive in that way and just enjoy it. Right, man? You got it. Well, until next time, we will be seeing you.